welcome back, Joker heads, Joker friends, Joker women, Joker men's, to Joker men. Do you like that? That that was a per, that was a great. I think that should be our new intro every time. Joker fans. just clip just clip that and yeah. and you can use that just like as a, a sound bite the same way you use that. Yeah, one more thing for me to edit in. You know, I mean, if you just if you save all the clips, you can just drop them like Bing Bing Bing, just little Bing 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 Bong. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna miss that guy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Evan. I'm Ian, and uh, we're recording this episode in the waning days. Of the Cheeto in Chief. This might, in fact, be the last recording session we do before, uh, you know, the new uh, morning in America. You know, it, it occurred to me the other day that uh, Disney has probably been hard at work in the last few months uh, and weeks making the uh, animatronic Joe Biden to put oh, in the wow. presidents. That's a, that's a great point. I hadn't even thought of that. Right. Ro- Robo Joe is going to be so good. It's going to be awesome. I wonder if they're going to make him like slur his words and like, like kind of like <laughs> forget what he's trying to say. I assume they'll have him record something uh, if they haven't already. The, rec- the recording clip will be one of those lines where he's like, oh, uh, oh, shoot, man, I shouldn't have said that. I, I God, I hope so. I hope that they can't get a good take. Like it'll be like the um, uh, Orson Welles, like commercials, like those outtakes. Right, the wi- the like, wine commercials. Yeah. Oh, the French champagne. Yeah. Inspired <laughs> by that same French French excellence. But it'll just be like, uh, okay, uh, listen, man, what's, uh, I was at Disneyland uh, in uh, 1965, and I, uh, I was there with my sweetheart, uh, Joanne's, Joanne Fabrics, and <laughs> We were uh, talk of the town on Main Street. Uh, welcome, uh, Jokerman. Did we say that already? <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about um, a, a record that is is it's an interesting case. Uh, we're at that point now in in Dylan's career where there's kind of a a shift um, happening, taking place, a sort of hibernation period uh, right. in a way. Um, from big studio albums. Uh, this is, of course, Good As I've Been To You from 1992. Mm-hmm. And it uh, is uh, significant in, in a lot of ways, but I mean, the most obvious is that it's Dylan returning to an acoustic record of folk covers. Uh, not that he'd done a record all of covers before, but you know what I mean, Uh kind of revisiting the earliest impulse of his artistic career now as a full fully adult man yeah 51 at this point right right yeah born in 41 born in 1992 50 year old man 50 year old man yeah we're we're at the beginning stages now of a a uh, i guess this might be the long, well, I was going to say it was it, it, the longest period of time that he's gone since he started releasing records between releasing original, originally recorded songs, you know, originally written songs. 
but he's he's just recently tied that with the gap between Tempest and Rough and Rowdy Ways. Uh, Under the Red Sky, 1990. Time Out of Mind, the next record of original Bob songs won't come out until 1997. So this is going to be a seven-year gap between uh, records of original Bob material, just like the well, gap between yeah, I guess yeah, Tempest. Just, Tempest was twenty twelve. So that was, was actually an eight year actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's another one of those points where I think I've mentioned before. I find uh, at least yeah, th- there's only like two real notable cases: this one and that one. These two similarly long gaps where Dylan kind of does covers and then returns. A fresh, uh, renewed, and with uh, a, a, some really good stuff. Yeah, a new of sense of purpose. Material. Yeah. So while this record might not be showy or flashy, it's uh, definitely important. And, and uh, if you're a Dylan fan, it, I think it's like a period that's worth celebrating. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, as as we discovered in our episodes on Red Sky and and really, you know, most of the records that we've been covering for the last several months at this point, you know, give or take Euro Mercies here and there. You know, it's it's clear that Bob is kind of like he he's not as invested in in what he's putting out at this point as he as he once was. You know, the 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 uh, production is very shoddy the vocal takes he's not really with it 100 percent of the time the lyrics themselves what do you mean what do i mean on on which records are you referring to on <laughs> virtually any <laughs> yeah, yeah i see i mean you uh, have you have favorites though you I, you like uh oh mercy well yeah no that's what i said you know give or take an oh mercy but you know from right. from your your knocked out loaded to your down in the groove to your under the red sky uh, you know, these are not <laughs> these are not the the the, the hallmarks of a man uh, fully engaged in his about. artistic practice. And so, I think at this point, he, he it, honestly, I think he was just kind of exhausted. And yeah, yeah, previously, his his answer to the exhaustion, I think, was the Christian period. Like that was that was just a new tank of right, fuel right. that he could start, uh, you know, um, burning to fire his creative engines, and that that burned itself out pretty quickly. But then he, you know, kind of got started back in in some direction and then you know went on did infidels and empire and stuff um and uh and, but now he's like really at the end of his rope and there isn't another quick fix kind of thing like the christian thing to turn to and so mm-hmm. in this case he just goes once again like the complete opposite to right like I, I when think in it, doubt you know do what you know like yeah exactly but but at the same time i don't think it would have been expected of him to do something like this because he hadn't like you said he had never released a full covers record you know dylan 73 accepted which he didn't even release himself and certainly not an acoustic record like this for for three decades so it's uh it's yet another kind of hard left turn i think from where he was at on the on the preceding record looking back on it for you know from our vantage point right now i think this makes a lot of sense and, and totally fits into what he's done, especially considering the fact that he kind of did the same exact thing recently. But at the time, it strikes me as something that would have kind of come out of left field right. and uh, and seemed unlikely or unusual for him. You know, it, it's really interesting to me because I didn't, 
what you just said a minute ago, I actually wasn't even thinking about the Christian records, uh, that period as another such point, but it really is. I think there's like these three points in Dylan's career where he totally burns out, uh, or suffers some kind of creative exhaustion, personal breakdown and turns to at first that, that first example is Christianity, um, which which doesn't mark a, a period of him doing covers, of course, but in a sense it is. It's it's like totally uh, turning his artistic practice uh, around toward this other goal of of being saved and making music about being saved right. and for Jesus, which isn't so different from like doing covers, like. It's like instead of doing an album of of covers of Sinatra or like some artist <laughs> that you like, you're doing al- uh, an album honoring another great artist, per- the greatest artist. Right. Yeah. He's honoring the the great American artists Sinatra, Lead Belly, and Jesus Christ. Yeah. Although, if you really wanted to honor Jesus Christ as an artist, you might make a table or a deck <laughs> because he was a carpenter. Well, he's done. Well, I guess no. He's more of a an iron worker, right? Less less of a carpenter himself, Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes uh, gates, ornate wrought iron gates, and things with found objects. Anyway, uh, this uh, this record. good as i've been to you uh you know it's uh it is it is what it is this is this is not one where like there's a lot of deep mystery i think to dive into and unpack it's not one that's necessarily misunderstood i think like it it's uh it, it it's not it, it's a very simple kind of affair obviously just for, like from a sound point of view um it's it, it sounds simple because uh, it's it's supposed to be and, you know, I think, I think what, what it is, is, is understood and what he was trying to do at this point is kind of, again, pretty, pretty well understood and, uh, and critical consensus is sort of, you know, good, not great. Like it's, it, it, it's definitely something that is looked at more fondly than something like Red Sky, but it isn't up there with the towering heights of the original stuff or even something like Time Out of Mind. Um, so, arguably, you know, uh, world gone wrong. The next, uh, batch of, of yes. such record of such songs. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I know our listeners come to Jokerman for, uh, insightful, uh, contrarian takes often, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you. You might, you might throw a curveball at us here, but I don't know that I'm going to have, uh, too much revisionist history to, uh, to deliver on this one. No, me neither. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not going to say that um, this is, in fact, uh, uh, Lucky Wilbur is like acoustic reinvention. Well, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's it's not. It's it is interesting though in the context of Bob Dylan's career, and I think it will actually become a little bit more interesting to look back upon in a few episodes down the line uh, when we get to some of the later uh, efforts of the '90s and the 2000s right we have a a new development um on on the show oh yes that new development yes well if you have well i guess the the bootleg series 
two, bootleg volume two on the Patreon feed isn't even going to run until after this episode. So uh, we premiere I, it I on a gonna... Patreon episode, but I, and I, I suppose we were thinking about saving it for just the good uh, friends who support us on Patreon, but it's one less thing for me to edit. Uh, so <laughs> we're for good. We're, we're going to do it new, live. We're new. Uh, a new era has begun on Joker men. And, um, I'll just uh, show it to you. We'll we'll present it right now. Um, the first track on side A of Good As I've Been To You is Frankie and Albert. Ah, beautiful. That was great. Bravo. Oh, I love it. For, to hear for the that. folks at home, that is a genuine uh, Honer brand, H O H N E R. Honer brand harmonica being played live into the microphone, just like Bob. I've got it on a, one of those harmonica things right around my neck. Frankie and Albert. Yes. Um, God, I was, I've been dreading this episode because I don't know <laughs> that, that much to say about most of these. You're not supposed to admit that on the show. Well, I, I think it's better if I just say that and then surprise people rather than just underwhelmed by being boring. I guess that's fair. I, you know, it, it's a good thing this is a free episode, not a Patreon one, so no one can ask for their money back because you're not paying for it. That's right. Fuck you. <laughs> Adopting some of Bob's uh, uh, notorious confrontational attitude yeah this is me going electric is making a bad podcast <laughs> episode <laughs> um well maybe a fun game is seeing how much i can remember um about this song and then you can kind of correct me what's well, about frankie and albert well that's a given that's like the right. bo- that's the, do you, the do free you remember who frankie and albert were on the bingo card um frankie and albert uh, can you give me a hint? He was her man, but he done her wrong. But he done her wrong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember now. <laughs> uh, I I just remember liking this one. Uh, I've listened to them like not a small amount. I like kind of have been like really making sure I've listened to this record quite a few times, and it just is kind of like oil and water uh, on on my brain. It just kind of slides right. Doesn't off. penetrate. No, yeah, it doesn't doesn't really soak in there. But um we can just talk about the uh the sonics to begin with because it's pretty notable. I mean, the the degree to which Dylan is embracing his haggard weathered voice. And um right. the guitar playing is really nice. It's really nimble. It's not like virtuosic, yeah. but it, it it's still got some color to it. Um it's not just mm-hmm. like open chord strumming there's some cool little finger pick details and um apparently he played a 12 string for at least some of this that's cool can you tell me like who made the original version of frankie and albert or well i don't know that i can tell you who made the absolute original version this this was one that was apparently popularized by lead belly the right the great bluesman of the early 20th century uh, as a couple of the other songs on this uh, on this record were, um, 
and I, I guess that's one of the more interesting things to note is like, um, it, you know, we, we, this is a, a full covers record, right? But it's covers kind of from all, all over the place. Like there are, there are plenty of American R&B uh, or blues kind of covers on this album, but at the same time, there are um, uh, there's there is an Australian uh, folk song. There are several English and Irish protest songs and stuff. Like it is, it's kind of from all over the Anglosphere, um, and um, and and it, it it's it kind of all blends together on the album when you listen to it. You know, and Bob is you know performing all of them kind of with the same singing style uh, or you know with the same voice vocal style at least and with the same instrumentation literally just him and a guitar did you know that um lead belly played a 12 string i didn't know that so that that's a very authentic move on bob's <laughs> part um I, I actually was listening um to uh, one of the uh dylan uh theme time radio hour episodes i forget which one but he was talking a little bit about lead belly and it it was really fascinating. Um, he was uh, in prison, and um, he actually kind of uh, met up with uh, John Lomax, um, who was the father of uh, Alan Lomax. Alan and, Lomax, uh, and um, that that's sort of how he got out of prison. He was uh, John Lomax's driver. And for three months, he assisted the 67-year-old in his folk song collection around the South. Uh, Alan Lomax, his son, was ill and did not accompany him on that trip. But, oh, wow. Um, so Lead Belly was driving around Alan Lomax's dad? That's right. Jesus. Small and, world. I, and so, I mean, the thing that Dylan said on, um, on the Theme Time episode was actually something sort of, sort of a version of that. He was basically said that, like, it was because of his... Uh, musical ability that he was got out of prison Hmm. Um, which is sort of what happened that sounds uh, thematically true if not strictly yeah in order to uh, avoid cancellation of his release from prison he asked John Lomax to take him on as a driver Um, so uh, yeah pretty cool there you have it Uh, Frankie and Albert also it should be noted inspired by an actual event from St. Louis in 1899. There was a Frankie who shot her lover, Albert, after catching him stepping out on her with uh, another gal. Are you trying to tell me that somebody cheated on somebody? I am, yeah. In the past? Yeah. And then this great song was written. Wow. What do we got next? Jim Jones. I like this one. This is one about Is this the Australian one? Yeah, this is one about how Australia sucks. You know why I knew it was Australian? Uh, Because they mentioned New South Wales? No, because they mentioned Botany Bay. Botany Bay. Is that, is that, I guess that's a place in Australia? Famous Australian prison. Oh. It's where uh, they would send uh, you if you're a bad uh, Englishman. Right. This is a song that apparently uh, was popular during the civil rights movement in the 1960s. Uh, it's it's less a um, a song about a criminal and more a song about sort of a misanthrope who doesn't really fit in 
to mm. English society and is unfairly banished to the cursed land of Australia and the Outback Steakhouse. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's more a, a, more of like a protest song, I think, than, than anything. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense that, that Bob would want to sing it. Obviously kind of fits in with, uh, a lot of the, you know, we talked about this on our bootleg series episode, uh, but fits in with a lot of the characters and themes that he addressed during his earliest folk yeah, recordings people, people as well who as just get shafted Un- right. the unlucky few who get uh sent to australia literally or figuratively <laughs> by society <laughs> yeah, and, and and australia of the mind yeah <laughs> that's the name of our um <laughs> our, our book on <laughs> this song <laughs> um they send you to Botany Bay if you're a bad Englishman, which is to say, if you um, if you mess up, uh, you don't do the right uh, full English. Like you you post something on Twitter of your full English breakfast, and you forget the mushrooms, or or you include the mushrooms, or you forget the tomatoes, or you include too thin of bacon. <laughs> People if in you're... the UK are always bitching. They're so vicious about that to each other. They're like, oh, blimey, that, it, that's, you call that a full English or whatever. Um, then they send you to Australia to, um, to, to kill kangaroos. If, you're, if your beans aren't wet enough, you yeah. are <laughs> the meal banished isn't, to New South Wales. It's not brown enough. There's not enough <laughs> brown stuff on the plate. I'm seeing too much color. That, that, that English breakfast is actually pretty good. Have you ever of had course, one of those? Yeah, no, of course it's good. I... I don't believe that anybody has really ever had one um, because <laughs> from everything I've seen, there's always something wrong with it, keeping it from the, the ideal, like the pure expression of the full English that right. it, it, seems it's to elude approaching every... what it, it should be, but never actually arrives there. Right. Which is why it's a sort of a beautiful meal. Um, an English breakfast of the mind. That's my, that's the name of my <laughs> dissertation on the full English. Uh, what happens to Jim Jones Uh, at the end he is in Australia and I think um, what does happen to him at the end there's Um, something about like him getting hung up and strung up and the birds pick his bones clean or am I remembering that wrong um, I think that's in like let's see we toil and toil and when we die must fill dishonored graves and it's by and by I'll slip my chains well into the bush I'll go, and I'll bush. join the bravest rankers there. So uh, Jim Jones is going to join the aboriginals oh. uh, in Australia. Jack Donahue and co. In some dark night when everything is silent in the town, I'll shoot those tyrants one and all. I'll gun the flogger down. Oh, oh I'll oh, give so the land a little so shot. He's not Remember saying, what I say. He's not saying he's joining the aboriginals. He's saying like he's going to join like the... the Bush yeah, I guess man. like jo- Australian John Donahue outlaws. or whatever. Yeah, he, yeah. He's saying he's going to join the baddest of the. I don't know enough about the history, frankly. To seems to me like it's you know sort of an Australian that he's uh, gunslinger a, gunslinger group of some sort. I, I it seemed to me like maybe he was plotting a sort of um, insurrection against the the tormentors. Of, uh, the, he's going to like join them and then kill them all. Jim Jones Unchained. I think that's the idea. Yeah, <laughs> one of the lines. Of, one of the lines in here. I didn't. I, this, I didn't catch this listening to it, but seeing it on the page, 
Um, uh, but take a tip before you ship to join the Iron Gang. Don't get too gay in Botany Bay, or else you'll surely hang. Not so progressive after all, <laughs> is it? Okay, uh, Blackjack Davy. This one's sort of about pirates, right? Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. It's misleading. Uh, you, you might be thinking of Blackbeard. Oh, um, Davy Black and then ja- uh, Davy Jones and Jack right. Sparrow. I guess I, you know that there is there are some some associations with all those words. All right, well that's one star off of the score of this record <laughs> because of a misleading song title. I wanted to hear about Captain Jack Sparrow from Captain Black Jack Sparrow from uh, the Disney uh, movies. It's maybe my favorite song on the record. Why? It's great. Next song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what do you like about it? Ian? The uh, I mean, the guitar playing is awesome. It's it's a very kind of moody, um, moody sound to it. It's very nimble, like you said earlier, um, uh, and and sharp, uh, and just kind of exciting. And um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a good, yeah. This is a. Um, it's like a revenge narrative, right? Sort of, yeah. It's 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 definitely in the in like the story song mode of operation. There's those kind of songs on this record, and there are plenty. Uh, and then there are also sort of just like the bluesy laments, and this is more of the former. Um, you know, it's it's Black Jack Davy seems like the kind of character that Bob might have written about in in his own kind of song. You could see him uh, running around with Frankie Lee or oh, yeah. the Jack of Hearts or something, or even like that uh, that part in. Um that song from Tempest, uh, Ten Angel. No, uh, Long and Wasted Years. There's mm. like, you know, I sent you that video where it's a compilation that some blessed soul made. Where it's like it's like fifteen twenty minutes long of just every single time over like a, a, a whole year, I think, where Dylan played that song and changed this one lyric slightly, like every time. It's I don't the know one, that you uh, did send me this video. Oh, it's so good. I think I did. Um, maybe it got lost in the shuffle, but it's it's the lyric that's like, my enemy crashed into the dust, something, something, and he lost his lust. Uh, like, you don't know, something, you're going to have to go to jail someday. But he, like, <laughs> changes this little section of the song uh, so many times. But anyway, the reason it uh, is brought up in my memory is just that it's like my enemy crashing into the dust. It's sort of like there's stuff like that going on in this song where he's like, you know, uh, riding on his horse after his, his wife who's gone off with blackjack Davy. Um, so you've got a case of the enemy and the, and the horse. (laughs) Why not? Sure. Is that a boring anecdote? I just want you to hear this, uh, video because it's, Maybe I'll put in some of, of that here. My enemy crashed into the dust. I'm feeling his tracks and he lost his dust. Same like just the other day. He sank to the ground in a painful way. My enemy crashed into the dust. He lost his dust. He went out high with a hole. He sank to the ground with a choking groan. My enemy crashed into the dust. 
His life ripped away and he lost his last. We were boys together way back when. We grew up next to each other, helped each other now and then. My enemy passed in the dust. He was stuck down in his past and he lost his lust. He was run down hard, hit clean in the side. No one can save us in a day where we die. My enemy passed in the dust. He was run down hard and he lost his lust. With me, I'm off to the fair. He can die and be damned. Anyway, same same thing. Sure. One other fun trivia note on Blackjack Davy that I dug up. This is a song that was performed, among others, by Pete Seeger and by Woody Guthrie. Uh, Woody Guthrie's version was known as Gypsy Davy. Is that ringing okay. bells for you? No. Tombstone Blues. Oh! Gypsy Davy. Wow. So, so uh, if if we can wring anything of interest out of this uh <laughs> i mean I'm it's just, something that it's we, something we that had been bouncing here. around in bob's head for 30 years clearly cuz it was uh, well it you was see a, that in all of these uh songs so far it's like they're full of t- uh characters and archetypes that are kind of the backbone of so much of what bob dylan does right we and talked a, about a, this again on the on the recent bootleg volume 1 and i think it's actually really uh good timing for us to be getting into this right after we just covered bootleg volume one, because it's like seeing the earliest part of Dylan's career where he's doing songs not unlike this. We're inspired by the, this type of, of song craft. And then here he is 51 years old and he's coming back to do it again. Uh, right. Just straight up neat, no ice. And it's good. <laughs> Um, it is, what was I going to say? Something based on, yeah, that, um, apparently, um, like these, when, when Bob went in to cut this record, he, I I think just rattled all these songs off, like just, just one after the other, after the other, like without consulting any sort of lyric sheets or, or anything like he, he just had them all in his mind. He knew how to play them. He knew all the lyrics and everything. So it, it wasn't even a matter of him like studying up on songs to record and then rehearsing them and then putting them together. He just like sat down in, I think he recorded in some little like garage studio that he built at his place in Malibu or it had already been mm-hmm. built out there. Um, you know, very just kind of casual recording environment. And over the course of a couple of days, literally just reeled off like, you know, 15, 20 of these tracks, just one after the other, after the other, all of them had been committed to memory the every word every verse every uh you know uh the melody you know it was all just kind of in his mind that's incredible genuinely like that, <laughs> that does make this uh honestly like i didn't know that um but i suppose it makes perfect sense i was just listening not that long ago um to uh this a soundtrack record of sorts that came out alongside the documentary partly fiction about Harry Dean Stanton. Mm. And um, in that film uh, you see him actually just whip out the guitar and, um, or is he's maybe being accompanied by somebody and he's singing the songs uh, just like at his, in his living room. And the, 
the soundtrack album is just um, those those raw recordings, and it's a similar deal. It's like these classic folk songs, mostly that um, he's just whipping out that you know just mean so much to him. Right. And uh, it's really beautiful to see. And the best part about that, uh, if I can plug that, um, probably a good like musical double bill with this record is uh, he, there's little bits of banter in it, too. And there's, there's a part where he's just like talking about how he, he doesn't really know what he's about to do. And he's like, uh, what if I just uh, don't do anything? How about nothing? <laughs> how about silence? Now, do I have any do I have any lines? I don't want any lines. How about how about doing nothing? <laughs> how about silence? <laughs> uh, I would have loved to hear just a, even a little bit of Dylan off uh, the record, like like in Surfer Rosa. You know, you just hear like some studio chatter, right? Uh, at the end and beginning of these tracks, I think that would have added a lot. Uh, but you you just have to imagine it. Yeah, I don't know that Bob is uh, is much one for studio chatter. Yeah, and you know we we see what someone like uh, Black Francis, uh, who is, turns into in his old age. What? What is that? Just a cool guy with a cool Twitter account. Oh, w- wait, does he have a Twitter? Yeah, you haven't seen it. No, it's 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 exactly what you expect it to be. Well, I don't ex- what I expect it to be is like just like nothing of him saying anything personal. Is does he actually tweet? Uh unless it's a parody account that is trying to make fun of him um <laughs> and doing a really good job. Uh Oh. Let me Let me let me pull this up real quick and Yeah, cuz I don't myself. uh I I just know that the Pixies have just uh, they just f- have fallen off. Yeah, this is uh, this is this is real. He's got the blue check. Oh my god! <laughs> if you it, get unfollowed, please don't take personally. Need to rein in the feed and slow down the speed. That's his okay. bio. Um, and then you know his first tweet we've got here is uh, him retweeting Lauren Bobert who is one of the new QAnon people that's pissing all the libs off. Um, the next one is a retweet of someone saying, Donald Trump should not receive intelligence briefings after leaving office. Retweet if you agree. Uh, is, is he retweeting the QAnon person like in in earnest, or is he, make, or is he criticizing No, he's them? he's retweeting her and then quoting the inscription on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse, refuse of your teeming shore. Is he, is he pro-QAnon? I, mean, I think he's anti-QAnon. He's mocking her. Uh, okay. She was saying something about, you know, the quote-unquote caravans coming from South America. Um, and he's, uh-huh. he's, he's helpfully illustrating that the spirit of America as inscribed on Lady Liberty is, is actually contra the beliefs of this, uh, this latest woman. Rock and roll. <laughs> 12 hours ago, Black Francis says, we love baby Yoda around my house, but my kids mm. being the politically active kids they are, 
would never allow me to patronize a store who contributes to seditionists. And he's retweeting Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh, oh. oh. I, did Kim Deal? She maybe quit the band, didn't she? Oh I God! Wa- I I hope she did. I wonder why. Jesus Christ! This is even worse oh, than I realized. Gosh. Dear at Clorox. Stop it! <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop! 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 All right, I'm sorry. That's hard. Send him to Australia. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the man who wrote the song Tame. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, go follow Black Francis on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and keep listening to those Pixies records. I listened to like a recent Pixies thing, whatever the most recent thing was, and it um, was really I just, good. I just wish they would do something. Uh, I don't know. They just need someone needs to like smack him in the in the face. <laughs> somebody just needs to like shake him. Like just make make something interesting. <laughs> like come on, come on, do something. Come on, man. Yeah, maybe the Joe Biden era will will bring about <laughs> Joe Biden. You know, it's bad for politics, maybe, but uh, art, punk rock will flourish under Joe. Punk, Biden. yeah, punk was supposed to come back under Trump, and now it's but actually going to come back under. It's Joe. actually going to come back full force. Um, yeah, Canadio. <laughs> Next song. Yep, sure is. So is this song about Canada? Uh, I don't think so, actually. I think it did get popularized in Canada, but I don't think it's about Canada. I think it's from before Canada even existed. Yeah, see, I've listened to it like a dozen times, and I still don't know if it's about Canada or not. Yeah, it's about it's about a seaport town called Canada-D-I-O. Right. What else do you have to say about it, Ian? <laughs> you know, this is one of the ones that uh, I, I, I've done what I can to dig up some fun, some fun facts on on this song, on the songs on this record, and uh, help our listeners flesh out their help knowledge. Me, Jesus! <laughs> help our listeners and our, our our co-hosts flesh out their knowledge of what's going on here. This is one that I really didn't have a whole lot on. Uh, it's about a, a a girl on a boat and. Sailors uh, want to date her or something. You're gonna um, want to skip this one. Yeah, I mean it's it it is what it is. It's but I also want to say uh, this record isn't even about skipping anything. Like my best um, analogy or, or what kept coming to mind as I was listening to this uh, was that it's kind of like how certain movies are more of like what you call a hangout movie. Right. Um, something where it's more about like a general vibe than about like a yeah the edge of your seat story uh, with like unforgettable set pieces. It, it's more like just a vibe, a vibe scape. Um, and that's what you get with this. It's, it's like you wouldn't want to skip anything because 
probably while you're listening to this, you're kind of going about your day uh, or doing cleaning your room. And uh, it's just kind of on in the background. And every once in a while, you'll be like, oh, pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I think that that actually totally makes sense. Like it's, um, it's 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 not what you're coming to as, you know, you want to you want to fire up a Bob classic because you're looking for just some of his his one of a kind lyricism and and insights and stuff. It's you know it it just kind of it's there to sort of putter along in the background. A lot of these songs might show up on like a. Uh, some sort of play, like a Spotify playlist or something, and just like kind of, you know, uh, play, and you think, oh, that kind of sounds like Bob Dylan. Is that is that a Bob Dylan song? And then you look, and it is a Bob Dylan song, but it isn't actually a song written by Bob Dylan. You know, it's right. it's. I uh, mean, I, it's, I really like stuff like that. I mean, I've lately just been watching Columbo uh, from the beginning, yeah, right? <laughs> and um, it's like the perfect hangout show to have on uh because it's got just a it's, all the episodes are real long and you just <laughs> get like a pleasant uh you always get peter falk in there your your guy sure um you know great presence and uh he's he's always going to make sure that an episode of columbo is not going to be like not going to sink below a certain threshold of being like right. unpleasant. It's always going to be like pretty pleasant. Totally. And, yeah, uh, there's a high, then, that, that's the, that's the high floor concept. Right. And then you get like a lot of, Oh weird. That person's in this episode. Like when right. I just watched today, it was like Martin Landau plays a set of identical twins who uh, conspire to murder their uncle. Um, <laughs> the next, the next one I watched had Martin Sheen, like a very young Martin Sheen, with a, a small part played by Vincent Price. Vincent um, Price. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's good stuff. I love Columbo. Murder, murdering your uncle is a very cool crime. Yeah. He throws a um a mixer, uh like a an electro electronic kitchen appliance into a bathtub. Like a blender? And, yeah, like a like a hand mixer and then um uh. And then they they dress up the uncle in exercise equipment and put him on his like elliptical bike or whatever or his <laughs> his, uh, his exercise machine. So he's like dead and his legs are still going on it. <laughs> and everyone thinks that he got a had a heart attack until Columbo gets on the case. Next song, uh, sitting on top of the world. <laughs> I like this one. You sent me that version of this one that was like really, really good. Yeah, the Helen Wolf one. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's dead sexy, you know. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is you know kind of switching gears uh, for Bob on this on this record. You know, Frankie and Albert, um, Jim Jones. Well, I guess Frankie and Albert was an American song, but it was from like right around the turn of the century. Uh, and then Jim Jones, Blackjack Davy, Canada DIO are all either English or I guess Australian, you know, uh, which is its own sick breed of English uh, folk songs, you know, from centuries past. This is the other, uh, this next song, Sitting on Top of the World, is the other kind of mode that Bob is operating in here, the other kind of song that he is is covering, which is, you know, the like American blues 
um, kind of sound. And you can tell that based on just kind of the rhythm of the song and the way that he's performing it with his vocals uh, and singing it. Um, and yeah, this is, this is a, sort of a, a blues standard that has been performed by, uh, yeah, the one that I sent you was the Helen Wolf one. So everyone go give that a spin. Honestly, it's, it's better than the Bob it's, version. It is better, but I mean, that's pretty hard to top. Uh, yeah. Bob, Bob Dylan does a good job, but it, it doesn't have the like pure sexual charisma, the animal magnetism of that one. Uh, right. That one, that one is just like, a you know, instead of this machine kills fascists, it's like, uh, this machine drops panties. It's uh, right. <laughs> incredible. It is, uh, there is, there is a vibe to it. No question. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's another nice, another nice one. Yeah. It's about sitting on top of the world. But, but it's not just about that. It's sort of about relationships too. Yeah, no, it's actually about a uh, a guy who had a gal, and then I believe she left him or went away yeah, somehow. I, I didn't really understand and, how and he he's... was sitting on top of the world after that. Or if it, is it? it yeah, I mean, be... he's he's. Uh, I, I think he's like he's he's trying to cope. Is is basically the idea here? Mm. Uh, the lonesome days or they've gone by. Why glad. should I beg you? You said goodbye. Now she's gone, and I don't worry, Lord. I'm sitting on top of the world. Oh, yeah, you he's, he's like you think he's glad like, about that. Well, he, it sounds like maybe he's he's thrilled to be uh, rid of that ball and chain. He's loosed upon the world. <laughs> hide, hide your wife, you know. He's well. I guess that could. I guess that could be it. His name is Howlin' Wolf. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, literally. Ah, uh, <laughs> Um. <laughs> Next song though <laughs> takes a, a a turn uh to be different. <laughs> it's it's uh, different than that. It's called Little Maggie. It's about uh, Maggie of Maggie's Farm when she was a young girl. Yeah, it's the it's sort of the prequel uh to Maggie's Farm. Yeah, Bob's kind of returning to one of his most beloved characters and sort of filling out her backstory just the same way that you know, like we've we've always thought of oh, the Joker. What's what's his deal? How did he start? And you know, we just recently discovered that he, uh, you know, was a cool guy who Smoked did comedy. cigarettes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they should have called that movie the Smoker. They could. They, they should have called it Smoker. Smoker. Smoker, because in the movie he smokes. That's how you know he's a real sicko. I wonder if Joaquin Phoenix. How would he get away with that? He was just like, "Yeah, I'll I'll be in your your film about the Joker if I can just smoke at all, as much as I want." Yeah, well, I mean, while I'm in the him. movie, he won they an Oscar call it, for they playing call the Joker. It, they should call it the Smoker <laughs> <laughs> instead of Joker. Little Maggie. <laughs> yeah. What's it actually about? I mean, in in two words or less. <laughs> it's about little Maggie. Okay. That's, it's that's not two one words. that it's not one that really stuck in my head. 
you know, and this is so, <laughs> sort of like fits in. Not like the other ones, which are right. Yeah, exactly. Not, not the me. other ones that are all very memorable to you. Uh, this was okay. Here's here's a fun here's a fun bit of Bob. Please should be here. Little Maggie performed once live, March eighteenth, wow. nineteen ninety two. It's about five weeks before I was born. Um, wow. in Perth, Australia. Ah, the land of Jim Jones. <laughs> the, the, the very same. And to be honest, I was I was hoping you'd give me something better than that. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can here. Um, uh, here's here's another fun fact. <laughs> the Perth, Australia set, mm-hmm. which featured Little Maggie. First yeah. song. Guess what it is? Jim Jones. No. <laughs> what was it? Maggie's Maggie's Farm. Farm. Wow, that's cool. It's, well, it's all it's, coming together. It's like the uh, the the Spider Man into the Spider Verse. It's like mm-hmm. the all the Maggies together. All the in Maggies. Perth, one night only. Is well, Maggie's Farm. Is that in Australia? The the the, the titular farm. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I guess it could be. I've I've never pictured it in us. I've always pictured it kind of in you know. Like South Dakota or something. A Maggie's Farm of the Mind. <laughs> uh, the next song is called Hard Times. Uh, I am expecting this one to be relatable right now. <laughs> you know, this one actually is... Uh, I, 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 this is one of my other... This is probably my second favorite one or my other favorite one besides Blackjack Davey on uh, on the record. And, and I think, honestly, the fact that it does seem kind of relatable to what's going on these days is is something that makes me feel kind of good um you know uh it seems like we're hopefully getting to the point where we're starting to turn the corner in some regard and uh and and this song i think is right uh right right along those lines many days you've lingered all around my cabin door oh hard times come again no more yeah I, that's relatable to I think everyone and all of us, and it's one of it's the only song on this whole uh, album that apparently I I hit the little heart button on on Spotify. Um, mm. So apparently I love this song. All right, <laughs> it, uh, it, it, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm listening to it again right now, and I I feel a, a spiritual peace wash over me. I think that's what the best thing, uh, or that's the best outcome of listening to songs like this is there's a cathartic aspect to all of them. Um, and right. some more so than others, but this is one that really just goes straight for that. And I think it's one of the more effective ones because of that. Like Jim Jones, I mean, you got to kind of read between the lines with a lot of these, uh, in terms of like getting the catharsis out of it. Um, they're about, you know, getting mistreated, dealing with hardship, getting betrayed. Um, and this song is just uh, about having hard times and being uh, hopeful despite that. So right, you get, uh, I mean, I'm listening to it now. It sounds, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's, it's a very, 
you know, simple. I think it's a great choice. Um, the very good vocal on this from Bob also. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's very, you mentioned earlier, I think that, you know, he's kind of leaning into his, his ravaged voice, um, at this point. And, and he certainly is, uh, although compared to, you know, what we are used to hear these many decades later at this point, it's, uh, it, this sounds positively, uh, uh, angelic, I suppose would be the right word. Well, I um, mean, not, not necessarily. I mean, the, the stuff on like triplicate is, you know, some of his clearest and most, uh, no, no. I mean, it, it, I guess in the live context, there's a lot of hyper growly stuff uh, later on after this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, but it's just on like, record, he's this is still. I don't know. His voice is just significantly more weathered today than it was 30 years ago, and he's he's just as good, if not even better, of a singer, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a singer uh, today as he, than he was back then. Uh, but just in terms of like the, the quality of his voice. Uh, this is clearly, you know, steps down the line from where he was 20 years earlier, but it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it sounds almost, you know, kind of, um, uh, sweet and, and honeyed yeah. the same way that the earlier stuff does, I think compared to some of the later things. Um, I think he, anyways, yeah, he's putting I think it's in, uh, the effort to make sure that these songs come across in a really clear way, um, that the the spirit of them comes across. He's not trying to like do anything really wild with them or like make them unrecognizable in his right. Own. Right. He, he's not betting them out of shape. He's, I think using his platform as uh like America's <laughs> dad <laughs> as a, uh, as you know, sort of like the poet laureate uh, of, of American music to, go uh hey dumbass listen to this stuff that that actually i wouldn't exist without right and funny you mentioned america's dad this this song hard times was written by stephen collins foster who was known as the father of american music oh <laughs> is, is he <laughs> Uh, yes, apparently. Um, I, I will say, Stephen though, Collins uh, Stephen Collins Foster, Foster we discovered uh, just prior to uh, recording, um, uh, wrote, oh, wrote Susanna, oh, Susanna, that old chestnut. Yes. Uh, not going to quote anything, but I, I strongly encourage our listeners to go search up the lyrics, the original lyrics to Oh, Susanna. They might not be exactly what you... Uh, expect or or remember yeah i didn't personally remember uh the n-word being in that song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yet the father of american music that's gonna come back uh <laughs> you know america's dad joe biden in the in the white house uh you know he can say it Oh, Susanna is <laughs> Joe Biden. Joe Biden is going to perform Oh, Susanna with the original lyrics at the inauguration. <laughs> at the inauguration yeah. Um, and you're going to like it. <laughs> oh, Susanna is definitely his favorite song. Yeah. That and, uh, and my grandfather's clock. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
that's uh, the end of side A of um, this record. <laughs> uh, tune in later this week when Ian and I are going to be back at you with those solid gold hits of yesteryear. We're only, we're only halfway through, folks. Aren't you excited? Yeah. Um, songs like Tomorrow Night. Arthur McBride, <laughs> Diamond Joe. <laughs> Excited for that one. Yeah. And Froggy went accordion. We're going to be reading more tweets from the Black Francis Twitter page as well. On second thought, don't tune in next time. Uh, this has been Jokerman. It rained all night the day I left the weather, it was dry. The sun's so hot, I froze to death. Susanna, don't you cry. Oh, Susanna, oh, don't you cry for me. I come from Alabama with the banjo on my knee. Jumped aboard the telegraph and traveled down the river. Electric flood magnified and killed 500 people. <laughs>